This is the Identity Shockwave podcast, where we explore the journey of self-discovery and the many layers of who we are as we ride this wave called life. Four questions, real people, endless exploration. I'm your host, Lori Vaitzig. Hey, you made it. Welcome back to the Identity Shockwave podcast. My name is Lori, and I'm so stoked that you're here. And on this podcast, we explore everything identity. And by exploring these concepts and having these conversations, my hope is that maybe you feel a little bit less alone and have a better sense of validation that we all go through these things. We all struggle. We have our ups and downs when we're trying to reinvent ourselves or start something new. So I really hope you get something out of this. And if not, just enjoy the conversation because I got some pretty cool guests especially the one we have today. Just in time for spooky season, we are talking to an energy healer. And not to say that that's spooky, although some of the topics that we touch on today, a little bit spooky, but really the stuff that he talks about is all things that we have within ourselves, ways that we can live in our full authenticity and just truly our best lives. So I'm so excited to share this conversation with you with a very, very good friend of mine. So here he is, Ricky Dan. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was so excited that um, you agreed to come on. Uh, For those that are listening, Dan and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, We've been friends since high school. And I think this is going to be a really, really interesting and different conversation. And I might learn something that I don't know about you through this. So that's exciting, Mm. too. Nice. Mm. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, to kick things off, if you could boil it down to a couple words, how do you introduce yourself to people? What's your elevator pitch? Well, the past couple of years, I've been going through a transformation. So pretty much my name is Dan. I have a business named Ricky Dan. Um, I'm a psychic medium, light worker, energetic healer. Um, pretty much I help empower others. You know, I help other people gain their own self-confidence, working through their issues or limitations, patterns that they're kind of stuck in, and kind of help them navigate and gain that internal compass so they can kind of like live their best life. That's the best way I think to describe it. Awesome. And I have been on the receiving end of that healing and I've been very <laughs> fortunate of it. And Dan actually gave me a reading once and he was pulling uh, tarot cards. And at the time, I was dealing with a really intense coyote situation in my backyard. And I have feral cats. So it was just really, really, really intense. And from one of Dan's uh, Oracle decks, or I'm not sure which deck it was, but he pulled a coyote card or or what was it? Do you remember? It it was the trickster spirit. Um, And the trickster (laughs) was the coyote. So I think you told me even after that card was pulled and we did the reading, the coyotes kind of stopped coming around once you like identified the energy behind it, right? Yeah, yeah, they they did. So you're on this journey now. You've been on this journey for some time and for for a long time. I mean, this is stuff that you've been, you know, that's been a part of your life for, I don't know, like 20 years now? 20 years. Yeah, you've been really um, studying and focusing on, you know, uh, at first, you know, bettering yourself. And now you're sharing your gifts with others. But during this process, you know, I can only imagine... Have you ever, have you ever felt like a fraud or like had imposter syndrome? Absolutely. All all the time, you know, Um, 
I mean, you knew me in high school, middle school. I was always the wallflower. I was a little bit overweight. I wore glasses. I was the youngest of three kids. And I kind of got like pushed to the side a lot. Not necessarily. That's just how it is. You know, the youngest, it's like by the first kid, the parents are freaking out. By the third kid, they're just like, ah, you'll figure it out, kid. You know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. both both parents working. Um, I was kind of a loner a lot, you know. It, it took a lot for me to gain self-confidence and to believe in myself and trust this journey. For a long time, I've been putting it on the side. Even though it's been 20 years, I've always kind of put myself below others. I've kind of let myself be the doormat. I kind of had a lot of issues with worthiness. And then when I decided to finally launch launch the um, Instagram and start doing readings, oh, imposter syndrome like a mother, because I'm like, Am I reaching people? Is this making sense? Do I sound crazy? That was a big thing that was limiting me. And then the more I started to do it and the more I trusted in it and the more readings I gave, people were seeing parts of myself that I kept dormant or hidden my entire life that I wasn't recognizing. And I think people always kind of felt that on a subconscious or energetic level. And I'd always be like, why do people have such an interest in me? I'm nobody. I I don't have much importance. I'm just me. And I I don't have much to give. You know, I always kind of like had this like self-limiting belief that I'm not good enough or I don't belong. And, you know, I think part of the journey is like embracing that part of you and realizing that you do have more to give. There is more underneath the surface that you're not showing people, but being scared of being rejected or being that imposter, you hide it and you don't show it because you're worried about what other people think, you know? So I guess around the pandemic, you know, three years ago, I kind of just threw caution in the wind was like, F it. If everybody's out there telling their stupid opinions and I don't believe with them or agree with them, I'm going to put my two cents in there and share what I feel and believe and think and what I've been researching the last 20 years, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've talked about this extensively. And, you know, I've gotten such inspiration from you, not only from your readings, which are scary accurate sometimes. (laughs) Seriously. And I know people tell you that all the time. But from you just doing this, like me knowing you on a personal level, and then suddenly, you know, I open my phone and I I see Vora in the morning giving me (laughs) a reading for the day. (laughs) And um, for me personally, as you know, I was trying to like, make content because what else are you supposed to do especially if you're trying to further your career in something and for me that's voiceover work so i was trying different things and not feeling confident and feeling just like just embarrassed you know like just who's watching this who's judging who's talking behind my back whatever and we can't we can't live our lives that way so when i would see you i'm like if dan's doing this like (laughs) Yeah, but you're doing it so confidently too is and at least that's that's what you're putting out there and it's just it's so awesome to see and it's so inspiring and you know have you had other people come to you with that or have have people like asked you about like you know advice on how to put themselves out there and be strong and confident in themselves People don't really ask about how to um, market themselves better or do better content. I think they really are just curious and hungry for more spiritual knowledge to overcome the things that have been bothering and burdening them, you know, and that's online or offline. Like I've met a lot of people online. They've been super great. And, you know, a bunch of randoms will see my videos and they've been like fans. They'll like everything I put up and I'm appreciative of that. But 
I started to realize if the algorithm is limiting me to get exposure online, I have to start reaching people in the 3D world. You know, I have to reach people one on one because a lot of the people that make content are on the Internet. That's all they do. But like so many people are looking for this human connection in person and to have someone to talk and work through this stuff. So, yeah, I have a lot of people that are like clients that have become sort of client friends that kind of ask for advice or meditation or whatever it is they're trying to work through. And they, they kind of like you, they're like looking for like, what's the energy theme of this week? Why am I feeling like this? Everyone I talk to is saying that they're feeling depressed or everything's going wrong. And like, what what is the energy themes that's happening this week to see if I'm, it's just me or is it like just the energy of the whole planet that's feeling this, you know? Mm -hmm. Does that ever like blow your mind? Like when you start to see the patterns, well, not so much the patterns, but um, the relativity of it all. Like if I say to you, like if I comment on you, like, holy shit, yeah, that's exactly what I've been feeling. And other people are messaging you. Are you kind of like, wow, this is insane? Or are you like, well, yeah, it's in the stars. Like, <laughs> um, I think a mix of the both to be honest, you know, because when I was first doing it and people were like blown away, they were like, wow. And I was like, wow, this stuff really is real. I'm not just going crazy here, you know? <laughs> so after a while, I think what happens is like your ego gets in the way of like what you feel and what you believe. And you try to limit it. You try to say it's not real or I'm just crazy or maybe this is just me. But after a while, like I started to learn doing the videos, it's like, you get out of your own way and you let spirit talk through you. Like I don't uh, like Ricky Dan became like his own person. Like the Dan is still there, but Ricky Dan is like, he's confident. He's assured. He knows what he feels. He has no problem sharing how he feels, but the old Dan wouldn't really do that. So I kind of just get out of the ego's way and I just let it happen. That's why I started doing those videos. Cause it's like, if I just start and I, I, I do those in one take, I don't cut them up. I don't have a script. I have a couple talking points and I just kind of like go with what I'm feeling. And I've gotten to a point where the energy finds the words through my brain for me. And I kind of just let it out. And I don't try to stop myself or limit myself or censor myself or put blocks up. You know, I kind of just let it out and whatever comes out, comes out. And everybody's like, wow, that's the, that's the juice. That's the good stuff there. You know? Yeah. That's something I love about your videos. They are so, so authentic you literally just like you said it kind of just like falls out of you and yeah <laughs> it's amazing it's amazing because like you'll pull up a card and you'll know exactly what to say about it you know these things you've studied them for so long and yours are just so oh my god like literally you just <laughs> not, not to make it sound bad or anything but you go on and on and yeah. like it, it just comes out and it's like literally is like spirit is talking through you and it's so 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 cool to see so with the different modalities as we like to say in LA all these modalities <laughs> that we work with but with the different with the different um energy work that you do is there one that resonates more with you is there any that maybe speak to your identity a little bit more I think the tarot and the tarot readings, I think that's what people like the most. And that's where I can like get the most information out for people. But like last week I had a client, she's a regular client. She's super sweet. She's been going through her own journey. You know, she came back from a long trip in Mexico and she had two friends over that I never met before. They wanted to get readings and Reiki. So I did the readings and 
I think mixing readings in the Reiki are really awesome confirmation because for one of them, it was a guy and he kind of like the solar plexus chakra came up. Okay. So mm -hmm. this chakra, I call this the son of your soul, right? This is like where your healthy sense of self, your ego is. I told him in the reading that card came up and I could feel the card and I'm like, you don't, you don't shine your light bright enough. You, you might have some trauma from your past where you kind of feel like not safe to share who you are. Um, you've been dimming your light and you need work on it. So I gave him that reading and then I got him on the Reiki table. And that's exactly the chakra that I felt was off and dense on the table. Like I could feel the pushback from it. So it's cool to use both of those. They all work. You know, everything is energy. That's how I think of it. And a lot of psychic mediums out there, they're kind of like, well, you know, you get to a point, you don't need the cards anymore. The cards are really just like an articulation of what you feel. But for some reason, when you use the cards, I could just have a conversation with anyone and try to give them advice. But as soon as you pull cards, you know, the pretty, <laughs> the pretty pictures cement the energy home for people to realize what they've been feeling or ignoring or bypassing inside of them. So once you kind of show that card and you're like, this is happening right now, they're like, they take it in and they're like, I can't ignore it. It's on the table. I'm looking at it right now. I have been feeling this and I've been ignoring it because I'm just trying to be in survival mode and just trying to get by, but it's weighing them down either subconsciously, energetically, or they might be conscious of it and they don't feel safe or comfortable to share with friends or family, you know? So really the readings and doing the tarot, I mean, it, it's woo woo stuff. Not everybody's into it, but for me, it's a really good tool set to use to kind of articulate what people might be feeling at any given moment. And then, you know, when you nail it, you know, when you nail it, because their eyes go wide, they take like a step back and they're kind of like, wow, like, I can't believe you picked up on that. I haven't told anybody that because everybody keeps their cards close to their chest, right? We're kind of like in a society where it's mm -hmm. not safe or comfortable to share your emotions. We have to just keep going and keep trucking along and keep paying bills. But like, after a certain point, we all hit a, 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 a breaking point, you know, where we're overstimulated, over bogged down. And it's like we go through what we call the dark night of the soul, where everything becomes too much. And we're like, I need to unburden myself. I need to heal through this stuff. I need to work through this stuff because I can't keep living like this anymore. You know, would you say in layman's terms, that's kind of like rock bottom? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. And, you know, they take they talk about a lot of the people online, they talk about dark night of the soul being like a one-time thing. We all go through many of them in our lifetime, but yeah, rock bottom. Absolutely. You know, it happens with people in AA. They say like they, people will not want to go to recovery or it won't be successful unless they do AA two, three times and they actually hit their absolute rock bottom. So it's kind of similar in that respect, but it's, it's all the emotions. And you realize the emotions are so closely tied with spirituality. We try to disconnect them from one another. But like, you can't set good intentions and live a good life if you're feeling like you're on a low vibrational level emotionally, you know? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, as you've been working with people mm -hmm. and as they, they come to you, I'm sure with something in mind that they want to work on or something they want an answer to or they want to know how they should direct their life, I'm wondering... Has there ever been a moment with a client or yourself or whomever where, you know, obviously you've mentioned like a light bulb goes off, mm -hmm. but has anyone had these like crazy self-realizations regarding their identity and how they want to direct their life? It's, it's a mix. Cause like, 
it's not like I'm keeping like track of everybody and like writing down their experiences before and sure. after, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like hard, mm -hmm. hard to measure this stuff. I think the people that I really resonate with and the people that keep kind of coming back or like wanting to stay in my life, like they know there's something to it. I think a lot of the times, a lot of the people have these realization moments. It's kind of more like, what do they really do with the information once they're given it? You know what I'm saying? Because some people like, I, I pull a lot of cards. I give a lot of information. You know, it's not like I do like, like other tarot readers, not to knock them. That's their way. They'll pull like five cards and that's it. I, I keep pulling. I keep pulling more information because I want to go deeper, you know? So sometimes like I'll pull like the second or third row and people will be ready to get up out of the chair. And I'm like, no, 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 we're not done yet. And they like can't wait <laughs> to get, get out of there and get out of the chair because it's too much the process or they're freaked out that I'm really hitting all the notes of their life, you know? Yeah. But the people that like resonate the most with, I seem to get the best clients uh, or like my mission or my job seems to be when people are just waking up and just going through like that dark night energy and they're totally lost. And then I kind of reach them at the right place, right time. And I spell it all out for them. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just feeling your emotions so intensely. You can't breathe or focus on living your life because it's too intense for you. So this is what you have to do to kind of like, pick up the pieces and kind of resolve this energy. And then you can go back out there to try to go towards your goals, you know? So I, I think it's like kind of a mix, you know, to answer your question. It's like people are either totally freaked out. They need time to digest this stuff and think about it. Then they could either go in the direction I tell them, or they kind of stay the same and let it kind of like eat away at them. Or like, it's like hook, line and sinker and everybody's trying to do the things, you know, like they think like as soon as they, have to, they talk to me, oh, I got this crystal and I took this medication class and I'm going to yoga and I'm doing, I'm like, you don't have to do all the things all at once, you know, like, but you have to start treating yourself better. And I think that's what this whole journey is. It's like really trying to like dig deep to love yourself on such a deeper level that you want better for yourself and you want to do better for yourself, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about. We're all just trying to better ourselves. So where you're located is a beach town on the East Coast, but in the South. And the South has their own, you know, we're from the Northeast, so we're from Long Island. So we do things a little bit differently. We're a little bit abrasive. We're a little, you know, out there. And I, I, my perception in the South is that they might not be as open to this type of spiritual work. Uh, they might be into more traditional religion. Have you encountered any skeptics or anyone that's very against this? And have you convinced people otherwise? Have you had any, you know, pushback from people? I want to hear kind of about that experience. So a couple stories come to mind. So yeah, that that imposter syndrome that came up strong when I was about to launch last year because me and my wife Lauren were pretty much down here for two and a half years at that point. Didn't really have many friends. Didn't really get out much, you know. And then I'm going to launch this business and throw myself into the public eye, not knowing what to expect. So I know this is the Bible Belt. There's like a church. There's five churches on every block, you know, <laughs> all different denominations. So I knew I was going to get some criticism and, and, and feedback not so good because this is also Baptist country and Baptists are all about hellfire and brimstone and sin and, you know, all that other stuff. So um, I was nervous at first. I didn't know what to expect, but like spirit led me to it, to it. I launched and it's been an amazing, like amazing reception by most of the people down here, you know, 
granted, like once in a while, we'll get some people that have to say their piece, you know, like my, my wife works with a woman that's like uber Christian. She doesn't bring it up to her just because she knows, you know, my job is not to change hearts and minds. My job is to help the people that want the help and need the help. You know, that's, that's what I've come to that conclusion a while ago. So um, I'm planning this spiritual event next Friday and we've been advertising and putting up on the Facebook groups and the local groups or whatever. The guy who's running uh, the venue, who owns the venue and is letting us do the event there, he got a response and it was like, this is an abomination. This is, you know, you're, you're doing the devil's work and all that. He just blocked it. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to happen down here. You know, there is a lot of old Christian values and people scared of change. That's just the South. But we're becoming a melting pot in Myrtle Beach. People are coming from all over the place to try to start over from the pandemic. So it's not just South Carolinians or North Carolina or whatever, Carolina, South area. Now it's people from Michigan, Florida, California, New York, Massachusetts, New Jersey. It's all these people that left for a reason. And we're all starting to realize a lot of these people are spiritual themselves and they're being pulled to Myrtle Beach almost as like a vortex to pull in this energy and do this deep healing work down here because this is like, you know, the foundation of slavery in this country. I think in Charleston, there was, I think 70 or 80% of African-Americans can trace their lineage back to the slave markets of Charleston, you know, in America. So there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of suffering down here. And I think a lot of people or healers are being drawn down here to kind of cleanse the space, cleanse the area and kind of alleviate that heavy burdensome energy, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, there's going to people be people with their opinions, but I feel like it's like the old guard is, is aging and moving out. You know, it's that old perception of the Bible belt South, but it's changing. It's slowly changing. They don't necessarily like that, but too bad, you know? (laughs) Well, that makes me happy to hear that you found community and you found like-minded individuals that will support you on your journey and raise you up. And I see that very much present in your social media. I mean, it just, you know, being your friend and knowing what it's like to move away from everything that you know, to start new. uh, It's, it's really freaking tough. And I'm just so glad that you were able to now seemingly thrive and have a community around you. Um, Yeah. You said something that was interesting about how, you know, down there, there's a lot of pain and suffering just from, you know, the past. So where we grew up, we grew up in a town that was formed around a psychiatric hospital in the late 1800s. This hospital closed in 1996 when we were still in school. I used to play soccer on the grounds of this hospital while it was still open, and the patients used to come down and watch us. With my wife? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren and I played together since, like, fourth grade. She brings that up all the time down here, not to cut you off. She brings that story up all the time. They would just walk onto the field when you're playing soccer, little girls, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. Yeah. What I'm getting at with this, and we've had, I think we've had extensive conversations about this, about that type of energy when you're in the presence of where lots of pain and suffering has occurred not to mention lots of experimental lobotomies and shit like really 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 bad things and really dehumanizing people putting women in there uh, who are going in menopause saying they're hysterical you know hysteria they have melancholia (laughs) you know lock them up yeah exactly (laughs) but you know and uh, also our where we live is rich in history as far as um the revolutionary war um you know and native american tribes Mm -hmm. 
I guess saying with the experiences we've had with that growing up, has that helped shape your journey now? And is there anything that happened in the past in our town or anywhere really that, you know, kind of like flicked on a light switch for you as you were starting to explore this part of yourself? Um, yeah, you know, I, br I bring it up a lot, to be honest, you know, um, I was a part of this uh, circle, we would call it, it was like a psychic medium circle to kind of like work on your gifts, we pull cards, we do different exercises. One, one of the homeworks for one week was to bring in a home, a picture of your ho childhood home. Mm. And we don't tell anyone whose house it is, but we have everybody kind of pick and read the energy off the picture of the house and see what they pick up, right? My house on 55 Bowman Lane that I used to live was probably like, what, 200 yards next to the psychiatric center. It was like my house, 200 yards of woods, and then like one of the main building centers, one of the main dormitory centers, you know, for the patients. And that used to be open when I was a kid. So I wanted to see what everybody would say in the circle because everybody's pretty gifted. Everybody has their own gifts. They all pick up on energy and they're super in tune, even though they're dealing with their own imposter syndromes, you know, but um, everybody was like, feels dark, feels scary, feels like someone's watching me in the trees. It feels just very heavy and emotionally draining and exhausting. And it, people just kept going on and on and on. They said the trees, it looked like the trees were watching them. So that to me almost sounds like, like the spirits or the energy there are like manifesting in the trees or like, you know, like it's in the land, all that pain, all that hurt, you know, on some vibrational level, it never left. It was never cleared. We still have potter's fields all over that town oh, God, yeah. of unmarked graves. You know, I remember hearing in the early nineties, they were digging up the track and the high school to put a new track in. They found bodies under the track. Was you that, know? Is that real? Is that, I heard that story too. Or is that an old, old wives tale? I also used to hear that when it would rain, like that bones would come up. Oh, that's, that's probably not true. That's probably not true. But granted, like we grew up in the middle school and then the middle school, and then there was the backfield area, like a row of woods and a side dirt road. And on the other side of that dirt road was a little placard that said, here are the unmarked graves of the potter's field of all the experimented victims of whatever, you know, so there as kids, but not only that, kids used to drink back there. Oh, yeah. Kids used to drink at that old water tower mm -hmm. and there. it's almost like, yeah, it's almost like people would drink and it's almost like they would get possessed and start getting to fist fights, going into fits of rage. Like it wasn't just a normal alcoholic drunk. It was like something was like taking over, like possession. I don't want to say it's exactly that, sure. but that's what it felt like. So anyway, everybody, then I told everybody the story. I'm like, yeah, me and my wife grew up in a psychiatric center. Everyone's jaw hit the floor, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like, it's normal to us. But like when you tell outsiders, yeah, I grew up in a town with a psychiatric center, like less than two minutes from my house, you know, it sounds crazy. But what it taught me on the journey is that like, I've always been feeling these energies and it's almost like I was being picked on them for so long. And it's been putting me in this intense pressure. Because when you're energy sensitive, you feel everything, mm -hmm. you know, and and beings or spirits or whatever you want to call on the other side, they see your light in the physical and they're drawn to you almost like a moth to the flame or those electric bug zappers, you know, so they get drawn to you and they kind of want to mess with your vibe. They want to throw you off. And this is like tortured, insane asylum, you know, spirits. Let's put it that way. So a lot of them kind of like feed off negative energy. They like to create discord. They like to create misery or heaviness or depression because that's like what they felt, you know, their life. So they kind of like 
emulate and reflect that in their environment they inhabit. So I was always telling them, like, in my house, it always seemed like it was a nice, you know, three family, like a nice house. We had the pool. It looked like we were a good family. But like behind closed doors, it was very chaotic and tumultuous. It was like it would be very calm and, you know, calm and relaxed. And all of a sudden, with a flip of a dime, we'd all be at each other's throats. There'd be holes in the wall. There'd be screaming. There'd be fighting. And it felt like there was almost like something always like pushing, pushing people to kind of fight. It always felt like there was this like cloud or tense tension in the house, you know, and growing up like that, I always felt it, but I didn't really believe that that was the case until I got older and I can kind of do the self-reflection about it. So one of the big purposes for me to move to South Carolina was like, I couldn't breathe in New York anymore. I just felt like the intensity, the fear, the anxiety. I'm like, I wanted to leave for a long time. And I finally did the push to start over and plant new roots. But, um, I had a way of like detoxing that energy and it took a while to kind of like clear my field from that old fear, misery, depression, guilt, shame, unworthlessness type of energy, you know? So yeah, I, I guess to answer your question in a long format, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it still, I still think about it, you know, I still think about it and I still, I still cringe every time I have to go back there to visit my parents, to be honest, you know? Yeah. I think about it a lot too. And more recently I've been doing a lot of research on it and trying to find out more about the area of town that I lived in where um, there was literal war. Um, George Washington fought the British on my block, British colony road. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, I've been trying to do a lot of research on that, but yeah, there is something to be said. There was such a heaviness there. And I think, you know, there was a lot of addiction in our town uh, we once held the Guinness Book of World Records for most bars within a square mile in a small town. Uh, yep. I I think a lot of a lot of tragedy, a lot of car crashes, yeah. a lot of suicide. Yeah. You know, granted, it happens everywhere, but for a small town, it's like almost like every year there was another tragic story. You know, like always. Yeah, and to reiterate, our town only exists because of that hospital. You know, there was right. nothing there before and the hospital was built because oh beautiful long island airy sky airy blue skies let's bring our patients here to rehabilitate and the town Mm -hmm. the town was formed around the families of the doctors and and workers moving in and you know we had bus drivers that worked in the hospital you know like Mm -hmm. we had so Mm -hmm. many so many folks that were there because of the hospital but we can Mm -hmm. we can have a whole podcast episode on this and i love talking about that could be another podcast that could be a whole other podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm down i'm down (laughs) back to the conversation about identity are there parts of your identity you know which parts make you most proud and which have you struggled with the most definitely confidence and self-worth to be who i am you know um not to get too deep into the story but um the reason why this journey kicked off was my brother he met you know, some guy that was part of like, I don't know what to call it. It was a cult. It was a group. It was a Christian fundamentalist organization, but they taught a lot about spirituality. They talked about like entities and possession and secret deep state secrets and conspiracy theories, you know, but when I decided not to go down that pathway, like my brother reiterated to me that I was evil and I'm Satan because I went against the group. So I would hear that on a consistent basis. You're Satan. You're the devil. You're blocking me. And when you hear that for such a long period of time it, it and living with that energy for over nine, 10 years and your parents not really doing anything, 
you shrink yourself to such a small little minuscule nothing because you believe that your feelings don't matter, no one's protecting you, and you start to believe that there's something wrong or something evil about you inherently, you know? So it took me a long time to kind of do that healing work and go through all that. Um, but self-confidence, believing in myself, I always was kind of the follower, you know, just to be protective. And my wife's the same way. It's kind of like an empath survival trait mm. because when you're an energy sensitive person and an empath, you know what it's like when you hurt another person and you feel their person's energy. So instead of disappointing them or getting them angry at you, cause you know how they're going to make you feel, you just go along with the flow because you don't want to upset them or disturb the status quo or irritate them so bad that you're willing to kind of just say, okay, whatever you want, do whatever you want to do, even if you don't want to do that. So I was doing that my entire life, you know, as a survival trait. And I realized like, no, like I need to do what's best for me. I'm choosing me and my life first. Nobody else is going to, and the pandemic showed us that clearly, right? Mm -hmm. It was almost like every person for themselves. It's hard to have conversations when everybody has a wide spectrum of beliefs and ideologies of what they think is really happening. And I'm like, I'm just going to work on myself because everybody else is just disturbing my energy and I'm going to do what's best for me. Even if it pisses off my close friends and I lose them, even if it puts rifts in family and, uh, you know, I'm going to do what's best for me. And making that decision is the hardest decision as an empathic person, you know, because you know, it's going to hurt somebody else and choosing you first is such a difficult decision when you're used to choosing everybody else all the time. But after you do it, it gets easier. And as time has told, I was right about a lot of things. I don't need to mention that, whether it's family, the politics or whatever, I was correct. I don't need to rub that in people's faces, but I listened to my own inner voice and my own confidence to follow the direction I was called to because I was pulled there, you know? So developing that internal compass of confidence to believe and trust in yourself enough to know, yes, this is right for me. It feels right. I'm making this decision and I'm not going to let anybody interfere or disturb that or take that away from me because I know that they're just doing it for their best interest to make them feel comfortable. It's not for my best interest. So that's something I've been working on and I feel like I've almost mastered it. I'm getting good at it now. So that was something very difficult to overcome, but I'm so happy that I went through that journey. I'm at where I am right now. You know, That's awesome. So what you're telling me is I'm an empath and it's not because I'm a Libra that I don't want to disturb the peace and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to upset anybody and I can't make a decision if it's going to impact anybody else. I, I'm, I'm clearly making a joke of this. I do feel like I'm very much an empathic person and people's energy. You definitely are. Yeah, people's energy. You definitely really... are. And I, I think a lot of it is too. It's like you as the empath feel their emotions. So selfishly, you want to fix their issues for them so you don't have to feel their energy anymore. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it comes down. You're like, can I please help you so you don't put this burden on me mm -hmm. and it's radiating into my aura and making me go home in a bad mood and feeling heavy and depressed and anxious and hopeless about the future, you know? Oh, wow. I, I've i never thought of it that way. I'm such a fixer. And yeah. uh, what I'm trying to do now and I'm trying to learn is asking people if they want help like when i have a friend text me or whatever i'm like you know i'm immediately trying to give them solutions and sometimes right. people don't want solutions they just want to be heard but right. i'm immediately like oh no, no no you should do this 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 and this i know what's right i typically you know what though i really feel like i do give good advice and i do know what's right most of the time <laughs> but that's not what people need most of the time so no. I'm trying to listen a little bit more and 
I haven't done this yet, but I do want to get to the point where I ask, like, is there something that you need from me? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, what do you want from this? Um, how can I help you? Instead of me just automatically jumping the gun and being like, you should do this, that, and the other thing. Right, right. It also makes me go back to that point, like, a lot of people aren't listening to absorb what the other person is trying to convey. A lot of times people listen just so they could respond with their next, re- you, you know what I mean? Like, we're not really like just being there and holding space for people to feel what they feel. But right, it's it's good for you to think that way and be like, do you need me to just listen or you want my advice right now? Because usually when people are in a dark space and they're trying to just vent, they don't want advice. They don't want mm-hmm. solutions. They just want to share that they're hurting and they need someone to listen, you know? I think I think you explained something that a lot of people don't understand. And it took me a while to be like, what is holding space? What does that mean? I hear again, I'm in L.A., so I hear every every type of thing. And for a while, I didn't understand what holding space meant. And now I understand it's just allowing people to vent or, you know, being there as a support and a listening ear and whatever comes through. Again, sometimes people just need to be heard. Right, right. Well, I think um, holding space to me is just giving the time and attention to listen to somebody. That's it. You know, it's giving the space. Like I said earlier, I guess that was the point I was trying to make. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, It's like a lot of people are just listening. They're not really listening. They're just waiting for their turn to talk again so they could hammer another point. But they're not really absorbing what the person's trying to convey emotion or through the words. They're just trying to get to the next point to like not maybe argue or combat that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like not like we're really trying to understand somebody's you know, emotional level. We're just trying to make it like a debate or an argument where they retort, you know, we're waiting for the next retort or the next comeback or whatever you want to say to somebody rather than just listening and really absorbing and trying to understand people at the core level of what they're trying to convey. How do you protect yourself? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I sage, I sage um, every once in a while. Like the thing is like, there's a mix between spirituality and, um, superstition a lot of the times you know what i mean and your mind is the most powerful tool you have so if you believe you're protected you're kind of protected you know like i work with angels you know it sounds crazy but like i i work with them i know i have ancestors watching me and guiding me all the time i know i'm protected up to a sense whenever i feel like i'm being run down or i'm going to go into a public space I'll pretend that I'm wrapping my entire aura in like a white, beautiful light, mm-hmm. you know, to give like a cushion or a bubble from other people's energy. And then if I fi- kind of want to like go into hermit mode and don't want to be contacted if I'm home or whatever, I'll do that. And then I'll kind of imagine like an egg-like mirror reflecting energy that comes b- towards me to bounce back at people. Mm-hmm. But um, the best way to kind of protect yourself is positive affirmations. Tell yourself, tell yourself you love yourself, love the person that you are, you know? When you stay, keep at a high vibration, and that's through positive affirmations, believing yourself, meditation, proper diet, exercise, all the things they tell us, but nobody really wants to listen to, or it's like such a chore. Mm-hmm. It's maintenance for your body, right? It's if you're taking good care of your body, it's like you're signaling the spirit, you're grateful and thankful for having the vehicle that you're inhabiting right now. You know, mm-hmm. I used to be overweight my whole life. I'm at the best peak physical fitness I've been my entire life right now something just snapped inside of me. And I'm like, I don't need this fat anymore to hide me. I don't need to hide behind this body I've created through 
eating too much Taco Bell, you know, or eating four or five meals and getting that second plate of food. Like, I think it's just you taking good care of yourself and trying to stay in a higher mood and not letting everything else affect you. Okay. I always say this, like the news, the media or whatever, that's like the real witchcraft. Mm. They're pumping fear all the time into your body, into your mind. You're consuming it. You know, I know you're not a meat eater. A lot of people think of that theory too. When people eat meat, the, the animal is in terrified fear, releasing, you know, all these hormones and fear, fight or flight chemicals into the bloodstream. And then that goes into the meat and we're eating that meat. And then we're getting like lower vibration from the fear or anxiety that's associated with the death. So I think it's just trying to be cleaner about what you do and what you pick and choose, keeping your home space clean. You know, that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's an energetic extension of you by keeping your house dusted and decluttered. Like my, I'm looking around, my place is a mess right now. I should probably do some cleaning because I just keep jumping from one thing to a thing. But it's it's a lot of things to protect yourself. It's not just one thing. It's not just praying the rosary or wearing a necklace or, you know, like you actually have to do the things and put the intention behind it. That's what I've kind of learned. So it's not like there's one thing fix for everybody. You need to know yourself on an intimate level enough to know what you feel protected doing. I think that's what it comes down to, sure. you know? Yeah, I think, you know, with me being vegan, I talk about it a lot on this podcast. Um, it's mostly about, like, what what you're putting into your body, you know? Think about right. the things you're putting right. into your body, putting on your skin. Also, I just want to go back and say, here at the Identity Shockwave podcast, we love Taco Bell. So if we ever want to have a sponsorship, <laughs> you know, I'd be totally open to that. <laughs> Same. Ricky Dan will take a sponsorship from Taco Bell, too. <laughs> Doritos Locos Tacos for life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a Chalupa girl, but that's, you know, that's another conversation. I like Chalupas, too. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> um, well, I think we kind of touched on this a little bit, but was there ever a decision that you made that changed the trajectory of your life? Absolutely. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> All the time, you know. Um, I realized that I used to make decisions from a survival type of instinct mode, right? Like, I was living at home. I graduated college. I didn't know what to do. My parents were like, you got to get a job. I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. Get a job, get a job, get a job. You know, obviously you got to pay bills to survive. Mm -hmm. So I made a life-changing decision to go. And, and this is the thing too, like every decision I've made out of fear or anxiety has always been an energetic rep representation of it not being the right way, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I went to college for business in 2008 you know, within two weeks, the 2008 economy collapsed. <laughs> All my teachers were like, well, good luck getting a job when you get out, kids. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I got two years of schooling and I'm probably not going to get a job. So there wasn't really much to go on when I got out there. I didn't have any networks. I didn't have any social groups. I didn't have a fraternity to kind of refer me anywhere. So I was kind of just stumbling my way through the business world. I became a stockbroker. It ended up being like boiler room where I'm just trying to like you know, chop shop, take people's finances, put it in a stock and tank it just so I can make a commission. Felt disgusting. And I'm like, I can't do that. Then I went to insurance. You know, that was awful. <laughs> I don't have any warm leads. I didn't have any network. So I'm like in, in Smith Haven Mall, like, do you have insurance? Do you want insurance? Oh, no. Like nobody wants that. Gross, disgusting. <laughs> you know, um, I worked in the bank for a little bit. Horrible. You know, like I went into cooking. I thought that was something I could do, you know, that would like that really like brought out the the artist inside of me and to really like believe that I could do it. But like I was working with the chef that was like 60 years old, was a chef his whole career, broken, miserable, complaining about 
all the ailments. He had arthritis in his shoulder and his hands and his knees. I'm like, I'm not going to be this dude in 40 years, you know? Um, then I went to solar. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So then I went into solar and I'm like, this is paying better. I'm putting my life at risk. I'm going on roofs and dangerous conditions. Maybe I'm helping the planet. That turned out to be kind of like a sham money grab type of thing. So I just kept bouncing from thing to thing to thing. And eventually, um, the last solar job I had, I had a, I was going to start a side business with a friend. We had a falling out. We worked at the same company. My manager always loved to kind of bust my balls and put roadblocks and mess with me and make me subservient to him. And I would always rebel against that. So I was having constant panic attacks and that was spirit's way of waking me up. That's when it all came to a head. I was, it, it, that happened. And then the pandemic happened. I'm having anxiety, panic attacks, fear. I'm like, I need to do some healing work because I can't keep living like this. And that was the biggest life-changing moment because that's what led me here to where I am now, you know? So I keep making decisions that are altering the course of my life. Now I'm in massage therapy school, you know, I'm trying to build a business. So I, I'm, I feel like every decision that I make is life-changing, but it's not just me making the decision. It's like spirit giving me the hints now to go on the right path and to know what energetically aligns for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So it gets easier because I'm following the path and there is a path and a trajectory. I know there's an end goal. I know where I want to go and who I want to be and what I'm trying to strive for. So as long as I keep feeling my way through it, I know exactly what to do and anything else doesn't really matter at this point. If that answers the question. Yeah. I know that was a lot. No. But. <laughs> yeah. I, I think a big thing about that is you have to trust. You have to trust yeah. that it's putting you on the right path. And it's, yes. sucks. it sucks to, have to just be like all right you know <laughs> sure cool another job not working out i'm gonna try and figure yep. out how i'm gonna pay these bills now and you and i have had very similar experiences with that like you know me i've had every freaking job under the sun like i've done everything yep. and nothing at the same time <laughs> and i have all these yes. skills that now feel like they're useless like i don't know what the, right. how to channel well, all this that's that's what i learned though laura they're not useless right you gained experience through every single one of those jobs. Now it's up to you to go back and be like, oh, I learned this from working at Lionsgate. Mm -hmm. Oh, I learned this from going out on my own. Oh, I learned. You start putting the pieces of the puzzle of who you are together by what you've learned through those experiences, you know? Mm -hmm. So the business stuff, right? Going to be a stockbroker. I went into that. I studied it hard. I got my test, the Series 7. It was a difficult test. Wasted a summer doing that. Um, but then like, I learned how all of this financial stuff is such bullshit that I don't want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I went into cooking In cooking. I learned like I have way more artistic integrity that I never tapped into my entire life by doing that. Right. So I learned that I'm better at what I do than most people around. And I'm extremely hard worker, even though everybody called me lazy my whole life. Then going into solar, like it made me realize how much I can organize, deal with customers, you know, it, it teaches you different things about yourself by learning these different skills. Now, like when I went into uh, the spirituality stuff, it's like I took all of those things and I put them together to form who I am today. So it's like you might not have all the pieces of the puzzle to figure out who you are yet. You might be missing one or two, but it's kind of like what we say in tarot, the magician card. It's like the magician has all the things on his tabletop to make it work, right? He's got the emotional stability. He's got the passion, the fire energy. He's got the resources. Um, 
and he's got the mental acuity to make his world manifest how he wants to. It's up to you to make the recipe work. How are you going to put all those things that you've learned together to create the new Lori? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what it is. People look at it like I wasted time here. I wasted time here. I didn't get much out of it. It just paid my bills. But you learned life lessons along the way. You met people that taught you things. And now it's like, how do you use all the things you've learned on your journey to make a better version of yourself, to pull in that wealth, to pull into that new path and start using that to, to manifest the world that you want to create around you, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I, I full heartedly believe that. I also feel like I learned what I don't want <laughs> a, lot, yes. a lot of those things too. Well, um, to wrap this up, I want to, I want to bring back the first question that I asked you and see if you have any different responses. I, I, I still feel like you're very confident in how you introduce yourself but you know after having this conversation how do you how do you still introduce yourself i think the same way i'm a healer like plain and plain and simple like i'm in massage therapy school and the more i learn about the human body the more i realize how much this is overlapping with what i've been doing the past two years and how we store trauma in the body like uh, uh, my job is to help heal people and overcome their stuff and teach them the tools that i've learned to help heal myself so I think plain and simple, I'm a healer. I help. And the term healer isn't like, I fix you. I heal you and do all your, it's, it's me helping you enact the healing in yourself, right? It's me helping you wake up to your gifts and abilities and your knowings of what you want to do. So you could work through it to live your best life. And that's it. Plain and simple. I want everybody to do well. You know, mm -hmm. I want everybody to feel confident and trust their inner compass. Like, when I have clients come back and they kind of keep asking me these silly little questions, what about this? And what's going on with the full moon? And uh, it's like, use the research to figure it out yourself. Like I'm not here to spoon feed you stuff. I'm trying to teach you the training wheels, but the training wheels have to come off. You got to ride the bike yourself, you know? So I just think that's it. Like I'm just a healer. That's it. That's awesome. You're awesome. Uh, Thanks. You are Lori G. You are. <laughs> Lori, Lori W. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still Lori G. You know that. Just, yeah. You know me. Uh, Dan, where can the people find you? Um, so I have a website. It is www.rikidansc.com. My email is uh, rikidansc at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook. Look up Ricky Dan in Myrtle Beach. I'm the only one. Mm -hmm. And my Instagram is Ricky underscore Dan underscore SC. I'm on all the platforms. I'm also on TikTok. I think I'm Ricky Dan SC on TikTok as well. So I try to stay up with the social medias, you know, but um, that's it. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Law. You've been listening to the Identity Shockwave podcast hosted by me, Lori Vaitzig. Catch us next time for a new episode with a different guest that is sure to keep the conversation interesting. A big thank you to Let Me Crazy for letting us use their music. I'll catch you later. Get back, get back, get back, get back.